Hello. Welcome to this week's edition of the Africa Climate Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Mbogwa. Now, for the last two weeks, we've been exploring how coastal communities are protecting the mangrove ecosystem. But how important is this actually? How critical is their effort in protecting the ocean ecosystem? And why protect the ocean anyway? I talked to a research scientist from the Kenya Marine and Fisheries Research Institute, Dr. Melchizedek Knight Osore, who has the answers to these questions and many more. My name is Melchizedek Knight Osore, and I work as a research scientist at the Kenya Marine and Fisheries Research Institute. My responsibility at the institute is um, to try to communicate science to the communities that I work for here in Kemfri amongst my colleagues and also with other stakeholders. Uh, what science I communicate is what I study and my, uh, my background is in oceanography, especially primary productivity and biodiversity. So uh, I want to know what the oceans around Kenya contain I want to know how much they produce, how much how much organisms are there in the ocean, how many of those organisms are there in the ocean, and how they vary from time to time, and the factors that control that variation. This is important because uh, the information coming from such a study articulates the issue of climate change. Why the ocean? Why the Indian Ocean? Well, because uh, it makes a big part of our territory in Kenya. There is the Kenyan territorial lands, and then there's the Kenyan, the coastal water, then there's the Kenyan, the exclusive economic zone. This is the zone beyond Kenya, where Kenya has jurisdiction to mine resources and uh, to do um, all economic activities. So, uh, as in other oceans, uh, the Indian Ocean has a lot of resources. Unfortunately, the Indian Ocean is not as well studied as the Pacific, as the Atlantic, as the other oceans, uh, because uh, in many cases, we lack the uh, technical know-how and the resources to study the ocean. As our ocean is special in the sense that it's only open to the southern part. The northern part is sealed by land masses, India, the Arabian Peninsula, the, 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 the Southeast Asia, the African continent. So navigation within the Indian Ocean has always been very limited. You have to go all the way to the south to reach the Indian, um, uh, uh, landmass. What are the other oceans? They are open to the north and to the south. The Atlantic Ocean, you can go from the north to the south, and the Pacific Ocean, likewise. So, most of the um, uh, colonial powers that you wanted wanted to call to conquer the ocean found it easier to move in the other ocean, and they had all the resources to study the ocean. But for uh, countries around the, the Indian Ocean, uh, which are around 39 or so, uh, they uh, most of them are third world countries, so they don't have the resources to study the ocean. But why should the people care about the ocean? The ocean, for the case of our country, Kenya, uh, 640 kilometers from the south to the north, and then 300 kilometers inside the ocean, the area is substantial. So the ocean is important, apart from the traditional uh, purposes of uh, uh, controlling the climate, it's also the route to the trade to and from Kenya. It's also the, the place where we get all the resources, uh, very important resources, uh, and uh, apart from fish, there, there are many other resources like um, uh, the sandy areas and the vegetation that are around the, the, the shoreline of Kenya. They are a source of tourist attractions. So the, the ocean goes 
the part of the ocean is transcends so so many spheres. But for the purposes of uh, human gain, eh, you recognize that the, the oceans uh, produces resources in pharmaceutical for pharmaceutical purposes. Like um, in Kenya, you have communities producing seaweeds. Seaweeds are exported uh, to bring to Kenya a lot of foreign uh, uh, foreign exchange. But we have just not started scratching the depths of the of the ocean of the of the seaweed as a resource because we understand very little about it that's why we have to study the ocean and that's why we are studying uh, especially the resources in my area when you look at biodiversity of the ocean we're looking at the resources that are there we have to name them we have to know their processes how they're produced and we have to know how they vary throughout the the the, the months and the years under the blue economy kenya is identifying that the best way to do that is working with the people who live next to the resources themselves and those are the communities different communities in the coast so within the blue economy approach uh, uh, my institute chemistry is looking at the way uh, the communities that live adjusted to the resources can actually understand what the resources are for and benefit from them you mentioned the blue economy its importance in kenya and that the ocean the indian ocean is not very well researched are we investing enough in understanding how rich this particular ocean is and how, as we implement the blue economy, how these particular communities and the nation itself can benefit? Exactly. Uh, Kenya has invested very, very, very much. If you look at in terms of the blue economy, but it has not been in a way that uh, is beneficial to Kenya. I'll give you an example. Most of our universities study uh, have curricula in oceanography, but they're not really geared toward oceanography. It's general biology. So what happens is that um, uh, to build the capacity of the youth, you always have to send them outside the country. Uh, most of the researchers in Kenya, in the Kenya Marine Affairs Research Institute, have obtained their, un, their master's degree and their PhD degree studying outside. So you are forced to study the systems outside the Kenyan rim. But luckily enough uh, that uh, in many cases, you use samples that are collected from this region, from Kenya, to study at PhD level and at master's level. Now, we have not exactly uh, succeeded yet, but we are on the way there. We are actually uh, uh, heading towards there. And uh, the Blue Economy has given us a very good opportunity to, to um, concentrate on what resources are there, what they are doing, how they should be protected. One way of knowing is of doing that is by making sure that the community also understand because uh, unlike other nations, most of them developed nations who have been studying the ocean for a very, very long time. In Kenya and in many of the developing countries, we are just starting now. You know, we are just starting now to link the resources to our economy. Uh, initially, a country like Kenya has been agricultural based, uh, not even fisheries based, really agricultural based. So spending a lot of time uh, depending on the weather and depending on the rains and depending on the, the type of uh, terrain that we have in order to make agriculture successful. But here comes the blue economy now. And uh, Kenya is actually leading when it comes to matters blue economy. In fact, the first global blue economy was held right here in Kenya in Nairobi in 2018. So the recognition is actually very, very much there. If COVID was not in place, the next uh, session of the meeting was actually to, going to be held in Portugal in 20 in, in, in this year. But um, I'm very sure it, the postponement will enable us to, to grow even further. But anyway, back to the ocean. Um, 
the ocean is where everything that is happening on the land ends. See, so everything that is happening on the land, the pollution on land, um, the waters from the rain that move through the Tana River and Athi River and other small rivers, they all end up in the ocean. So by studying the ocean, you will actually know the effects of uh, the surface runoff from rainfall and, uh, and, and, and uh, from uh, from the coastal zones. You know, we have a lot of forests in the coastal zone that are managed by the Kenyan government. So the way they, they, they are managed, the activities that are undertaken to manage these forests always have an influence on the ocean. So the interlinkage is so, so strong. Um, by, start, by building the capacity on oceanography, on uh, coastal science, we'll now be able to understand the system better. And uh, understanding the system better will enable us now to gain more from the ocean itself, and from the coastal zone, and from the rivers that feed the ocean. So you're saying what activity someone in Mount Kenya is doing because the rivers that flow through Mount Kenya, mm -hmm. they will they feed the town. Yeah. So what somebody else in Isiolo is doing, probably a river that is flowing, mm -hmm. will actually have a tributary that mm -hmm. washes also that feeds to a river that empties into the ocean. Exactly. Or someone in Nairobi is throwing that plastic mm -hmm. bottle yeah. away. An industry so far away from Nairobi, but then they are not cleaning their waste before they dispose that waste off into the rivers. Mm -hmm. That waste, that plastic, that siltation from the farms along mm -hmm. the Dakaine and yeah. stuff. All that ends up in the ocean. Ends up in the ocean. A big effect. Killing the corals, changing the terrain of the ocean, the siltation, filling the harbors so that the ports are no longer as good as they should be. All that effects in the in, in the in the in the interior of the country have a big effect in the ocean. That's one of them. Of course the other effect comes from the the, the shoreline changes. You see the waves moving out of the ocean uh, during the monsoon, as uh, the seasons. And of course, all these have an influence on the ocean. So you're very right to say that uh, if you want to build a, a, a factory around Dakaini or around the Mount Kenya region or around Isiolo, just know that you have to be very, very careful that the affluence from that um, uh, factory or that small business or that agricultural activity has a major, major influence on the coast of Kenya. And of course, you know, then when if it has an effect on the corals and on the sun, no tourism. How does that, because yes, now that affect tourism, yeah. coming back, because I was going to ask you, how exactly. does that now, the effect we're doing on mainland, okay. and the effect that we're doing probably just at the shows for mm -hmm. the coastal communities, yeah. how does that come back to bite us? It comes back to bite us very much because then if you do not have attractive shorelines, you don't have attractive beaches, attractive sun, no tourists come. And not only that, if you don't have all these uh, natural um, uh, components that are made to, to, to support fisheries, no fish will be fished. And of course, if you also have um, this dire uh, effects of the messing up the, the, the environment, filling up, silting up the port, no ship will be able to come to, to, to port. So they all have a big uh, influence on the, on, the, on the ocean rim of, uh, of not only Kenya, but all the countries that are bordering oceans. So normally my approach is that educate the communities that live next to the ocean. Then they'll be able to assist you to manage the oceans. And to educate them does not mean that you put them down and you start lecturing on them. No, involve them in the, 
in the in the in the in the activities that are happening in the ocean. Some of them have a lot of local traditional knowledge that are not gained from books, but they are gained from passing from culture uh, through cultural uh, transfer. So when you talk to them about what is happening now, you, they'll put it in their own language, and then you can marry the two. They'll tell you that uh, during uh, the Second World War, the um, the tidal range used to reach at this level, but now the tidal range has changed. They are not telling you that uh, the sea level rise has happened, but they are describing what sea level rise is all about. So uh, local traditional and cultural knowledge is very, very important uh, in, 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 in understanding the processes of the ocean. And that's why I always say that when you are involving the community in uh, matters to do with the ocean, you're actually learning from them and you're actually you are telling them something they know, but then they give you more information because they are describing what has been passed on to them uh, culturally from generation to generation. So it's a two-way traffic. So as we grow in yeah. this blue economy, yeah. it is very important to invest in communities that, because that means you're talking about indigenous knowledge. Exactly. It's very critical to reshape this economy. Yeah. yeah. It's very, very important that they invest in them. It's very, very important that they just capture it. There's a lot of information that is not in books. There's a lot of information that is in folklore. So it's very important that this is captured. And the only way to be captured is by sitting down with those communities, especially the, the elderly ones that are actually now passing away. Yeah? They sit down with them and then they narrate this. They narrate this to you, then you'll capture them. The translation will happen later. But when they narrate in their, in their, in their own language, then it can be it's, it's captured and then it will be uh, translated later on and uh, it will fit into the models of the ocean science. For the last two weeks, I've featured communities such as Comensum who are protecting mangroves and also Dabaso who are earning a living out of uh, protecting the mangroves as well. Why is it important that these communities and many more within the coastlines keep protecting mangroves? Mangroves are important in the ocean the same way forests are important in the terrestrial environment. Uh, mangroves are important because they protect the shoreline. You can imagine uh, trees in a desert. If there are no trees in the fringes of the desert, the desert will just continue growing. Mangroves, uh, uh, they occupy an area, the intertidal zone between the land and the ocean. The ocean is very, very forceful. So when the tides are coming in and going, the mangroves sort of dampen the strength of the tide. So the mangroves really protect the tides. The other is the ocean will continue eroding, eroding, eroding. That's the physical importance of the mangrove. But there are very, very many other important aspects of the mangrove. The mangroves have cultural values in medicine, in construction material. They are in between the, the agricultural areas and the ocean. So they actually prevent the ocean from destroying the agricultural areas. If you have been in the south coast or even in the north coast, you see that uh, the agricultural areas are just uh, separated from the ocean by, by, by the mangrove or by the, shoke, the rocky shores. So there are very many uh, important um, uses chemistry as well, and then biology as well. Because uh, the mangrove roots, the roots of the mangrove actually, trans some of them actually, they actually have a small fish, they, similar to the, the seagrass. They, they, they are like the nursery ground. They, 
the after the nursery ground. So there's some species of fish that actually come there to lay their eggs and nurture their little ones before the little ones migrate back to the ocean. So mangroves are very, very, very important. But unfortunately, to, 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 to state that uh, most of them have been uh, degraded. And uh, in a creek like Tudor, which is uh, adjacent to where Kentry is located, if you go further to the interland toward the airport, uh, something like 60% um, of the mangroves that used to be there have been degraded, they've been destroyed by humans because of the economic activities and informed economic activities. So again, when we talk to the communities that are living next to the mangrove and we explain to them that there are other alternatives instead of cutting the mangrove, they'll understand and they will start taking care of the mangrove. And indeed that is happening. Um, Kemfri has been uh, uh, collaborating with small community groups like one called Komensam and various and also in Gazi in the, in the south of Kenya where mangroves are actually physically planted now. Find areas like Komensam that I've just talked about, the community is planting thousands of seedlings of mangroves and actually protecting the environment from further erosion and retaining the old cultural integrity, the creeks and the bays had uh, when Vasco da Gama was reaching Kenya for the first time. In terms of climate change and mangrove, how are mangroves affected by the rising seawater temperatures? Okay. First of all, uh, the, 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 important, the paramount importance in the mangroves is in the carbon, in the climate change. You see they give out what? Carbon dioxide and they take in, and they give out uh, uh, oxygen, they take in carbon dioxide. So this carbon dioxide is one of the greenhouse gases. So the more mangroves you have, the more carbon uh, dioxide they they are uptake, and then they transfer that carbon dioxide back to the to the to the ground, which is useful as carbon to the to the growth of the of the plant. But then, as they are sequestering uh, carbon dioxide, it's called sequestering. As they are sequestering the carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, they remove the elements in the atmosphere that actually uh, expedite the climate change. So they remove those gases, some of the, the, the heavy gases that are responsible for climate change. So that's very, very important in climate. In terms of, um, of the, the, the ocean um, temperature and gases, they balance because the pneumatophores, these are the roots from the, from the, uh, the mangrove, they, they are the ones that take in uh, uh, carbon dioxide. And then they, 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 they also leach out. They leach out um, some chemicals that actually balance the, the, the chemistry of the water. So if you take a liter of the ocean water and you measure in some of those qualities, you'll find how much they deviate from the ideal situation. Ideal situation meaning that what the oceans are supposed to have. How much carbon dioxide, how much oxygen, what is the pH, what is the salinity. So the mangroves play a key role in actually controlling the, quality, the water quality situation of the, of the water. Because if the water quality situation is not right, of course the fish will die. Yeah. Yeah. So when we pollute from the land yeah. and this pollution comes and settles within us, carried into uh, the, the mangroves, of yeah. course, because yeah. they are the ones that actually naturalize the between land and yeah. the ocean. Yeah. So this pollution will come and settle yeah. that we are polluting. So to what extent are we affecting that ecosystem? Again, that's a good role that the mangroves play because before they go completely into the ocean, they are stopped by the, the mangroves. And once they stop, they start degrading naturally so that what eventually ends up in the ocean is 
you, you may call it manageable instead of uh, where you have the tunnel just going completely out from the the hinterland and passing through malindi and dumping into the ocean and then killing all the corals because the corals when they're smothered with the siltation from the river they immediately die but when you have the mangroves they actually they prevent that they slow down uh, the, the movement of the water and then they check some of the desirable and desirable effects like the seals like the plastic we just mentioned uh are slowed down and then they settle when they settle then they have a time to degrade naturally others and then they they, they, they take a longer time now to reach the ocean so they do not affect the ocean immediately. So the ocean has time to remedy itself, to heal itself, so to speak. So that's another very important aspect that the mangroves play. Uh, mangroves also play a major role in, um, in making the land stable, the land around the coastal zone stable. Uh, if mangroves, mangroves were not there, the coastal zone would be very, very stable. The erosion will be so so high because the ocean is always so i told you 70 percent of the earth the ocean is always going trying to gain as much as possible because there's a lot of force due to the due to the 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 the, the, the fetch you know and when the the wind's force is determined by the extent of the fetch but imagine the extent of the ocean fetch coming all the way from the the, the expanse of the ocean and reaching the hinterland one day one day, once the waves are driven to the interland like that, they completely ex excavate the, 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 the shoreline. But when you have mangroves that have grown there, they, hide, they very, very strongly check that motion of the waves and then actually prevent the, 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 the shoreline erosion and stabilize the, the shores and then prevent now the minerals from leaching from land and going into the ocean to affect the ocean negatively. Hmm. Yeah. And in terms of um, the threats, what, what were the major threats, especially because we are developing yeah. and of course the population is growing, yeah. what are some of the major threats to mangroves, yeah. especially along the, the, the Mombasa coast and yeah. even along the entire western okay. direction? We need uh, human habitation, we need hotels for tourism, what do you do? You cut the mangroves. You need, uh, in the northern part of Kenya, you need uh, salt production, what do you do? You cut the mangroves. Uh, you need um, uh, firewood, uh, you need area uh, building, logs, you cut them out. So there are many, many agri uh, economic factors that uh, end up encouraging the cutting of the mango. But of course with the education that they are alternative. When they are alternative, then the mango will get saved. So in all the, all, all, all the, 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 the areas from the south to the north, mangroves have always been used historically. But of course the population was not so high. So they were used and then they had time to regenerate. But at the moment, with a population approaching 7 billion in the world, and of course knowing that uh, the high proportion of people actually stay near the ocean, very, very high proportion of people actually inhabit the, the, the ocean area, you see that the, the, the usage of the, of the mangrove is always continuously being uh, uh, increased. The use of the ocean continuously being increased. So if someone tells you, we build a hotel here, in five, six, seven years, you recoup your profit, or do you plant a mangrove, and in 10 or 15 years, you will not even have to recoup the profit. Of course, you'll pre prefer to build uh, the hotel. Uh, so the, the building, you know, the human habitation building of the hotel, construction of um, even uh, homes, uh, interfere very, very much with the, with the country, with the mangrove, because they actually destroy the mangrove. So modernization is uh, not as good as it sounds.
That was Dr. Osore, a research scientist at the Kenya Marine and Fisheries Research Institute. Now, every good thing that started has to come to an end at some point, right? For now, the solution series has come to an end, but keep it right here. Next week, I'll tell you where next you decided we go. But check out my website, www.africaclimateconversations.com for some fantastic stories on seaweed coming soon and also catch up on the previous podcast. Please do not forget to share this podcast. Imagine there is someone on your timeline that would really benefit from this information and I'm depending on you to reach them. So, yes, hit that share button. But until next week, kwaheri, and do have yourself a productive and safe week ahead. Mm-hmm.